Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. How many of you know that this weekend is our seven-year anniversary as a church? Anybody know that? This is, in fact, our seven-year anniversary this week. And here's, here's why that's important to know, because this message is going to kind of be in line with that. And uh, I, I'm not going to full-on preach in this, and you're going to see why the format of this message is a little bit different than normal, uh, but it is because this is our anniversary weekend. The title of this message is A Walk Down a Seven-Year Lane. A Walk Down a Seven-Year Lane. And I want to talk about a couple of things that just over the last seven years that I feel like the Lord has been very intent on teaching me and many of us in this church. And then we're going to do some fun stuff uh, along the way, all right? So here's the first thing that uh, I hesitate to admit. I, I won't say that I've learned this. I would say I am learning this. Point number one, joy is extremely important. Joy is extremely important. Now, if I were to be completely transparent, uh, I, for many, many years, have seen joy kind of like that green garnish on the plate at a nice restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know why restaurants still do this, but they put that green garnish that doesn't have any taste at all, okay? It's not pretty or anything. They just put it on there, and I don't know why. To me, it's a waste, all right? If I'm being honest, there are many times where I've kind of thought joy was just a non-essential in my walk with Christ. Well, that's completely not scriptural. I know some of you are probably thinking that. I mean, think about it. Romans chapter 14. Uh, our walk with Christ is not about what we eat or drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I don't know why, but so many of us as believers think that it's like a prerequisite to be a miserable believer, right? Like we just think we can't get too excited because we're, we're supposed to be, you know, just semi-miserable as believers. Well, that's not in the Bible. And I want to show you a couple of scriptures that if you struggle with joy, and, and here's what you need to know, how do, I, how do you know that you struggle with joy? Here's what I believe to be the number one evidence of joy, celebration. Celebration. You know you're good at joy when you celebrate consistently. Let me just show you what I believe Scripture says about our God and joy slash enjoyment. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need, period. Is that what it says? No. Our God gives us everything we need for what? For our enjoyment. For our enjoyment. Do you understand that God gives you everything you need? And one of his biggest goals in giving it to you is your enjoyment. Now, here's one of the things I felt like he has really been trying to hammer with me over these last seven years. 
that one of the biggest reasons why we need to have joy is because if there's no joy in the journey, why make it? Why, why make the journey if there's no joy in it? This week, as I was getting ready to preach, I told you last week I was going to continue the, the series on wisdom this week. You would think I would learn at some point. I'm just going to start saying, I don't know when I'm preaching next week. I kind of have a plan, but the Lord might change it this week. As I was getting ready for this week, I felt like the Lord said, what are you preaching on this week? And I said, well, the way of the fool, part one. And he said, well, this is your seven, seven year anniversary, right? I said, yeah, yeah, it is. Isn't that great? He said, uh, and you're not going to talk about it? I said, no, I haven't talked about any anniversary on any of the anniversary weekends. And, you know, I, I don't know how your relationship with the Lord is. All of us have a little bit of a different kind of relationship with the Lord in different seasons. Um, but I felt like the Lord said, why, why aren't you celebrating it this weekend? And I said, well, I don't really want to be like that young kid who goes up to his girlfriend and says, you know what today is? Today is our 22-day anniversary. Like, I don't want to be that guy. And, and listen, here's what I felt like the Lord said in response. But I am that guy. Preston, that's how I celebrate every day. And for the last seven years, there have been numerous times where you just breeze on through big moments. And part of it is you're afraid to stop and celebrate. You think there's so much to be done that there's no time to celebrate. I think we all need to get better at celebrating, especially when we begin to understand God's heart. He, he gives you what you need for your enjoyment. Here's another way to say it, to increase your joy. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this question, but every once in a while, someone will ask me this. What's the most important thing you've learned in your life so far? Well, in Ecclesiastes, it's as though the wisest man who has ever lived, Solomon, answers this question. And I want to read you what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12. Solomon says, So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. These are gifts from God. I've got to be able to learn how to find satisfaction in my labor, how to enjoy the journey. How are you at celebrating what's going on in your life? Have you convinced yourself that there's just too much going on? There's no time to celebrate. So you just breeze on through, never really experiencing the joy. Think about this as a parent. This is a horrible trait for us as parents. Our children need us to celebrate the tiniest of steps. Joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. I'm in a really difficult season. Things are really hard for me, and it's hard to have joy. If that's you, here's what you need to understand. Joy is not circumstantial. It is a choice. Let me show you one more passage on this point. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, does that not sound a little bit depressing? 
I mean, think about this. Basically, even though everything is awful right now, that's what this is saying. Listen to verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. We have to choose joy. We must. We must. It's a part of being a believer in Jesus. I mean, think about it. What kind of advertisement is it for lost people if we all look miserable? If good things happen and we don't celebrate them? I have some friends who are phenomenal celebrators. They're amazing. When, when something happens at work, they, they celebrate. Anytime anything good happens, they celebrate. And I used to kind of laugh at them and make fun of them in my mind. But the older I get, the more I start to realize that's a lot more fun. I think too much like an athlete where, you know, when something good happens, I just get up and move to the next play because you have that voice in your head, that coach that you had that said, great players don't celebrate, they move to the next play. And so I do that. But you know what I've learned as a dad? That that really is detrimental to my children when I don't celebrate the little things that they do as they grow. So here's what we're going to do. At both campuses, I want you to find two people that hear the rules. You didn't come to church with them. And my, my real goal would be that you don't know them, okay? Now, some of you don't like when I do this, all right? And you need to understand something. This is an act of worship. You need to really understand God's heart for his family, all right? If church is just about coming, singing, listening, and going home, that's not church. And it's definitely not a family. Okay? The church is the family of God. So from time to time, this is what we do. And I want you to understand why we're doing it this weekend. In my house, we have a tradition. When something awesome happens, like if there's really something big that we're going to celebrate, maybe it's a big day for someone in our family. Maybe it was a big moment for somebody in our family or our family. We have a special restaurant that we like to go to. Uh, it, it's not our favorite restaurant. It's our most special restaurant. And it's a steak spot. Uh, and my boys don't like it. And so they order a side of mac and cheese. And I love that because it saves me $80. <laughs> but anytime we go to this restaurant, we get dressed up. And everybody knows this is a special night. And my favorite part about the meal is not the food, even though it's good. That bone-in ribeye, Jesus, I'm convinced, is going to come back one time when I'm eating that bone-in ribeye. But that's not the best part of the meal. The best part of the meal is we sit down and we spend the entire meal celebrating the person we're there to celebrate or celebrating what God did, okay? So that's what we're going to do. I want you to find two people that you didn't come to church with, that you don't know that well, and I want you, in this first point, to answer this question. What is something in your life that you need to get better celebrating? Something in your life that you need to get better at celebrating, all right? So we're going to find two people around you, both campuses. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, and I want you to answer that question. What's something going on in your life that's good, that you don't celebrate well, that you know you need to celebrate better? All right? Introduce yourself, answer that question, and then I'll bring you back together in about three minutes.
All right, you got about a minute left. Don't worry, you'll get to do this with each point. So if somebody didn't get to finish, you can give them a little bit more time in the next round. Honestly, I know some of you, I, I get an email every once in a while about this, this time. I call it question time. I get an email every once in a while and someone will say, I absolutely hate you when you do this to me. But I have met some incredible people. There, there's always a healthy butt in there. But I know some of you hate it, and it's one of my favorite things that we do from time to time because I just wonder if God's not peering over the balcony of heaven and giggling. This is what family sounds like. It's not just that we sing together. It's that we overlap lives. This is what family does, all right? Let's get to point number two. The second, one of the second things that I, I've learned, pursuing progress is more important than performing perfectly. Pursuing progress is more important than performing perfectly. To give you some context, when I left Dallas to come here, the church where I had spent 13 years growing and developing uh, was Gateway Church, obviously. And when I left Gateway back then, it was about 25,000 people there, uh, one of the five biggest churches in the country and most influential. And there were a lot of expectations about my coming here. I had Cody Carnes with me at the time, Incredible worship leader, uh, Gateway's name and support, kind of viewed as a spiritual son of Robert Morris. And so a lot of people had really high expectations of this church plant. And I had multiple people, if I told you the name, uh, senior pastors around the country, you'd, you'd know them that just said, bro, you're going to start with at least a thousand people on day one and da 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 da. They, they were just really high expectations. They were all extremely disappointed when week one, uh, we had 120 in week two, we had 67 people, okay, in an 850-seat room. And I had to battle through some stuff. I already struggle with a, a little bit of a perfectionistic streak. Anybody else struggle with that? Okay, we should have a club, all right? Just get together. It, it, it's worse than Alcoholics Anonymous sometimes. You know, we should just get together. Hi, I'm Preston. I'm a perfectionist. Uh, and I'm convinced uh, because I'll, I'll, I'll be really honest, the last seven years haven't gone anything like I thought they would. And, you know, when God's involved, it never does. Uh, or else how could he do exceedingly above and beyond everything you could ask for? Imagine if everything went the way you thought. It's one of the best parts about God is nothing goes the way you think, good and bad. You know, you never think it's going to be as hard as it, as it will be with God. But on the other side, you never think it's going to be as rich as it turns out to be. Well, as I came out here and had all these expectations, I put a lot of pressure on myself that if I made one mistake, 
I mean, we were week to week financially. There were, there were less than 70 people coming in an 850 seat room. I felt this pressure that if, if people saw me make a mistake, we would collapse, that this ship would sink. I remember the first time in the lobby that someone kind of tried to verbally come at me and I wasn't ready for it. And so I verbally came back at them <laughs> and it was a mistake. <laughs> I, I learned a lot from that. I, I couldn't control my emotion. Now when somebody verbally comes at me in the lobby, I just pat them on the back, look them in the eye pastorally and say, if it makes you feel better to try and hurt me, hurt away. But back then, I, if you wanted to fight with me, I was going to try and fight back with you. And I had to learn. That's, that's not what good shepherds do, right? But I live with this pressure that if I made a mistake, that things wouldn't go well. And here is one of the biggest things I've learned over the last seven years. That God celebrates progress. He celebrates progress not perfection. I want to show you one verse of scripture that has so ministered to me. And if you are a perfectionist, this verse, you need to write this on your mirror and read it every day. All right. Listen to Luke chapter two, verse 52. It says, Jesus, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all of the people. Jesus grew. Now, not only am I a perfectionist, I'm a little bit of a pleaser as well, especially with the people that I love and look up to. And so the last thing I wanted to do was fail, in part because I didn't want to let any of my heroes down. And so I had in my mind this picture that if I screwed up, that my heroes were kind of like coaches, and, and there were kind of two options. There are really only two options as it relates to coaches and mistakes. There's that type of coach who when you mess up, they look at you and start screaming at you, right? They start throwing stuff. How could you do that? You're such an, they, they just rail on you, you know? Then that, there's that other coach who kind of puts their arm around you and says, hey, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. Way to try, good try. But you know what I've learned about God in the last seven years? God is not a coach, he's a daddy. And you know the difference between a daddy and a coach in a game where a child messes up? Even the coach that puts their arm around the player and says, hey, it's going to be all right. You know what the dad does in, on the sideline? When his child strikes out, a good dad yells at the pitcher and says, lucky for you, but I hope you're not up on the mound the next time my boy comes up because he's going to take you yard. Supporting his child 100%. You wouldn't believe how many times I've messed up leading this church and felt the Lord cheering like that. And there have been times I've just wept in his presence because I'm like, what are you, I just screwed up. You know what's awesome about God and his grace God doesn't expect you to bat a thousand. He doesn't expect you to bat a thousand. You know what he expects you to do? Grow. Grow. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your perfection. Is that what it says? No. So that everyone will see your progress. Not even so that everyone will see your success. God's desire for you is that you would grow 
and that others would see your progress. Not your success or your perfection, your progress. So here's what I want you to do now. I want you to get back with the two people you were just talking with, and here's what, what we're going to do. We're going to kind of put point one and point number two together, all right? And I want you to share an area in your life, look back over the last seven years where you have progressed a lot, and I want you just to celebrate it. And if you really have guts, I want you to paint a picture of what that area of your life looked like seven years ago and how ugly it was and how much better it looks today, all right? Let's exercise this muscle. So get back with those two people, and I want you to pick an area of your life where over the last seven years you have progressed incredibly. All right, about one more minute. All right, start wrapping it up.
<laughs> we got we got people here at the Scottsdale campus jumping over rows and hugging each other. This is awesome. Listen, this is what we're doing is so important. Some of us are so relationally isolated. And some of us, especially if, if you struggle with perfectionism, we just, we beat on ourselves so much that it's healthy, especially in the house of God, your heavenly father's house, just to step back and celebrate what he is celebrating. How sad would it be? Here you are progressing over all these years and, and just being so hard on yourself that it's never enough, it's never enough. And the God of the universe is, is and, and you may not know this, he's a party animal. The God of the universe is a party animal. And if you want to know what he loves to celebrate most, it's you. It's you. It's you. And here he is celebrating your progress even when you think it's not enough. How awesome is that? Our God loves our progress, even it's when, it's when it's just this much. He still celebrates. Here's the third thing, the last thing I want to give you, and we'll be done. Point number three, people and presence make this church what it is. His people and his presence make this church what it is. This is probably the biggest thing I've learned over the last seven years. I completely underestimated how important people would be to this church. You gotta remember, when I was 18 years old and I came out here for the first time, that was when the Lord spoke to me about planning a church at some point. And, but I didn't plan it for basically another 16 years. And so for 16 years, I lived with that dream being the only one carrying it. And so for 16 years, I, I really thought I was the person who had to carry that weight and I, 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 all that stuff. And I learned very, very quickly that his people were far more important to Gateway Church than this person. I could tell you so many stories of God's faithfulness through you. I remember going all the way back and I won't mention her name, but uh, before we, we started, before our official launch, we were doing kind of intro services. And we set up and, and tore down in the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts for two years, if you include uh, our pre-service, our pre-launch services. And there was an older woman. She was in her early 80s, and she was a fireball. She was a prayer warrior fireball. She would tell you exactly what she thought she had really dark skin because she laid out in the pool all day, every day in her retirement community. She was just awesome. I mean, she, she just, she's a firecracker. She walked into the room and I mean, she was the loudest one. She, she, everybody was looking at her and she was incredible. And she came to our, our intro services. And at the time we were running about 25 to 30 people. And I remember her pulling me aside after probably the third service that she had been. And she said, Preston, I want you to know I've lived here my whole life. And I have been praying for a church like this for 40 plus years. And I remember thinking, uh, because the funniest part about that statement is at the time we had no band, we had nothing. So Cody Carnes would play the guitar, lead us in worship, playing the guitar and had a kick drum and would step on the kick drum playing like this. 
I wish we had video of it because Cody is a legend, okay? But, I mean, who, how many of you, if your friend invited you to a church service and the worship leader was playing the guitar and kicking the drum, would be like, I am out. <laughs> Most of us, right? And here was this sweet woman saying, I've been praying for a church like this for over 40 years. She was extremely prophetic. And the week before our launch weekend, uh, that Saturday night, she brought me a check. And she handed it to me and she said, I'm going to begin tithing to Gateway Church. And she said it with, with such strength. And she handed me a check and it was for $14. And I wish I would never have cashed that and put it in, in a frame to keep it. But I got in the car and, and I told Holly I was crying and, and I said, babe, I, I don't ever want to forget what happened today in my life. Someone I don't know believes in what God is asking us to do. And she handed me a tithe check. Holly said, well, what was it for? I said, $14. Unfortunately, a couple days later, she went to be with the Lord. But to this day, one of the most special people that God used to encourage me in kind of a tough season, was a sweet early 80s, tanner than tan, turtle skin, <laughs> sweet woman that God used to encourage me. I remember before we, we made this auditorium in Scottsdale, what it is, used to be facing the other way and, and half the size. Remember the first two years, we were paycheck to paycheck and, and had nothing, had $800 in our savings account when we moved into this building. And the lobby, for those of you who are still here, the lobby was like cut into sections. And we had decided one day we would rip down the wall to make the lobby a little bit bigger because it felt like a dungeon. And it, the cost was going to be $9,000. And at that time, $9,000 might as well have been $9 million. Okay. I know it sounds silly, but we, I especially, I was struggling with it, but we knew we needed to do it. So we kind of stepped out in faith and we, we did it. And a couple days later, the father of a young woman who went to church here at the time, the father did not go to church here. He lived in another state. The father made a year in gift of $9,000. And I remember sitting in my office and the Lord saying, do you remember what I told you? that if you'll just do what I ask, I'll always pay the bill. And here's the awesome part of the story. It's not the check. It's that God used a person I don't even know to teach me a lesson about how God does things. Time and time again, people, people, people have been instrumental in doing something miraculous being the hands and feet of Jesus in this house. But you know what's better than that? Even better than his people is his presence. In Exodus chapter 33, one of my three favorite chapters in the Bible, verse 12, it says this, One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me, which people are going to go with me, God. 
You've told me I know you by name and look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, Cupcake, I will personally go with you. That's my translation. Cupcake, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest, and everything will be fine for you. And it goes on, my favorite part of the chapter, Moses' response as he looks at God. Now think about it. They're talking about going to the promised land. And Moses says, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to talk about the promised land anymore. You just said you'll go with us. You'll go with me. Moses says, oh, I didn't even know it was an option for you not to go with us. So if you're planning on not going with us wherever we're going next, then we're not leaving. Because we'd rather be with you than go there without you. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I remember the moment in week number six or seven. We were starting the service, and there were, I think, seven people on the stage and six people in the crowd, and Holly and I were two of the six. And as the, the worship set started, Holly leans over to me and she whispers, where are all of the people? And it was, it was like when she said it, it just triggered something in my heart, and this eruption of bitterness and anger towards the Lord just flew out. And for the next two songs, I was just, I mean, in my soul, screaming at God. This is ridiculous. This is humiliating. I don't understand why you brought me out here to do this. You were doing something in Dallas. Why not just let me stay there? And I'm just railing on it. At the beginning of song three, I'll never forget what he said. He said, Preston, it appears to me as though you are more concerned with who isn't here than you are with who is. And if you'd like, I can leave. I mean, I fell on my face and just wept. But I learned a valuable lesson that day. The most important thing about God's church is that he be there. That we do whatever we have to do to make sure this is a place he longs to be. It's his presence. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.